Hello and welcome to Season 4 of Fright Night Fright. Season 4. Season 4. 4 comes after 3 and 2 and 1. 1 and 3 make 4. 2 and 3 make 5. This is not Season 5. This is Season 4. Best season yet. Season where everything changes. Everything changes. You know, it's all going to change. All going to change. This is Season 4. Season 4. Season 4 of Friday Night Fright. And then, later, forever... Question mark. Season 4, y'all. Hello, it's Ian Austin here with another episode of Friday Night Fright. On a Thursday night, I guess we've changed nights. Um, Originally I was doing it because the episode's always ready on Thursday and I figured why not just put up early. But now I'm figuring why not do Friday Night Fright on Thursday. That seems like the thing this podcast would do, so that's the thing we're doing. Hope you enjoyed the um, new Season 4 intro. Uh, three episodes late. Uh, well, two episodes. Third episode, but, you know. So not not necessarily most ti- weird time thing, but this podcast isn't weird time in general. Uh, yep, so this episode is going to be dealing with um, more episodes of Ratchet. Five to eight, I guess. I guess. Uh, maybe more, maybe less. I don't know. I'm recording this intro on a Monday. Um, so I haven't started doing the actual episode yet so it could change um some cool news um for those who are interested Bob Batchung has been put up for another horror festival and being accepted for the binge horror fest um still pending on abattoir at the moment which is the way at risk with horror festival um not sure about that one yet hopefully if not no hard feelings because it is an amazing movie festival and you should go to the abattoir website that's a-b-e-r-t-o-i-r um because they have lots of cool stuff on there and you should get digital pass for it even if my movie's not part of the festival they're doing digital passes at the moment and you should definitely go i had blast uh when i went i think i only went once it turned out that i only got there once it wasn't thing when i was at university um but then was when I went back, I guess. Oh no, it comes straight. But I went once and it was amazing. And actually, going and watching Pieces is actually the reason I finally got around to making my movie. I know I watched Pieces a long time ago, but the movie is such an effect on me at thinking, if they make this glorious, schlocky piece of crap, I can make a movie. And it took a long time to actually make a movie, but I did get there in Yang. Oh, also, the movie is releasing this year. Um... As Tats releasing, oh no, part of me likes the idea of just putting it up on YouTube and just being like, there you go. That's what worked Fatal Deviation, never got an official release, but went on YouTube and became a bit of a cult classic there, reviewed by like the OSW Video View Wrestling guys. And I figured that why not do the same thing? Throw it on YouTube and maybe some studio will watch it sometime and be like, you're a star kid, you, you can make it. Or maybe not, who knows. But I figure that's the best way because you get rep going and all of that but anyway enough about that crap ratchet 5 to 8 is going to focus on this week and we went full ryan murphy at the end of the last episode which was a nice cliffhanger and solved the first part of the season so it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the season goes considering they've already paid off one of the big story plots but also um i read the re-interesting review interview god damn it this episode's shoddy as usual i read a re-interesting interview with sarah paulson in the guardian online um where she is talking about nature of shirt about working relationship for ryan murphy highly recommend you tune it out tune it in 
even because Sarah Paulson sounds like a real humble woman and the creative relationship she has with Ryan Murphy and some things they talk about in there were really fascinating and it's a good good interview and it got me a bit more hype for the next batch of episodes will that hype be justified I don't know um I'm gonna watch it in a second also um non-product placement because no one pays me for anything on this podcast uh, <laughs> animal crossing is amazing so you know i highly recommend animal crossing if you need to unwind during this fuck off shit pandemic play some animal crossing oh and um i i at the end of the episode i might give some updates on the next i it's harrowing i don't know i'll, I'll Rigor out on the epilogue. Anyway, hope you stay tuned because after a brief word from our sponsor, I'll be back with my review of Ratchet episode 5. Hey, so I've just finished episode 5 of Ratchet, and turns out in total there's only 8 episodes, so the entire seasonal review will be finished this week. And also, another little twist turns out that the episode 4 was the mid season. Fin- Sorry. Episode 4 with the mid-season finale. So, wow, that's a bit interesting. Um, okay, so lots taking this episode. Lots of stuff happened, like, last week. Um, so, where to begin? Um, well, I don't really know. It's it's all so much happens, but it's all fragmented. Let's try and go through some of the story threads, will we? So, Sharon Stone is back. Um, Sharon Stone is um, asking Nurse Ratchet for... You know, a means to take out Dot Hangover, which is an interesting story arc. It's nice to see Sharon Stone properly back. There's a lot of back and forth in this episode between Nurse Ratchet wanting million dollars to murder Dot Hangover and Sharon Stone continually bogarts the thing by showing up in places where Dot Hangover is and freaking him out. Um, but eventually agree on $100,000 and then Nurse Ratchet makes a joke about the pink working best for Sharon Stone's suite and Sharon Stone's like, ha ha ha, awesome. Also, her monkey doesn't go miss this meetings. The other story arts in this episode deal with Dr. Hangover and Nurse Ratchet's continually fragmented relationship because she's using her blackmail information on Dr. Hangover to try and get the... um. Uh, lovely Edmund declared not fit for trial. You know, he has to prove he's insane. Dot Hangover's like, oh, I can't do that. <laughs> Dot Hangover's like, he can't possibly do that. This he will have to examine this guy, and either the governor or Nurse Ratchet's going to do anything. But she points out, ah, I have blackmail information. He's like, oh shit. She's like, oh shit, indeed. So from there, we cut to Edmund and Dolly. Um, who are still doing a ridiculously implausible relationship. And that's a point where suspension for disbelief doesn't really work because, like, the guard at one point goes, nurse, as she's kissing him through bars, and she goes, sorry. And it's like, how would she not be fired already? I know Nurse Ratchet, you know, is in charge of nursing side, and I know Dr. Hangover is in charge of doctor's side, but the guards are in charge of security side, and they would clearly raise this as high as possible. They wouldn't just be like, nurse... You know, that wouldn't happen. Um, we still get all stuff with Nurse Ratchet and um, the governess, um, to a lack of a better term. And apparently they are going to make a go of it, but Nurse Ratchet wants to ease into it and the governess is like, fine. Although later on she gets annoyed when Nurse Ratchet doesn't want to dance in public. At dance. Yes, there's a dance. There's a dance between the workers of the institution and patients, which is bizarre on so many levels and makes me think this is really more the shining 
No, no, no. Once I know it's not one slow for the Christmas prequel story, and Morris has got nothing to do with that. But it, this place doesn't. It feels weird, like the ways it randomly cuts to red and all that shit. Um, so how do we lead up to dance? We lead up to dance with a new patient named Charlotte, who's um got multiple personalities. Sort in one regard, she thinks she's an Olympian from the 1930s who hates Hitler. In another regard, she thinks she's a little baby. In another regard, she thinks that she's a concert pianist. In another regard, she's actually Charlotte. So Dot Hangover is going to try and use hypnosis to get through to her because she's angry. When she switches personalities, she angry shouts about Hitler conspiracies, about how he never died in bunker, about how she's going to kill him. So Dot Hangover decides to use psychotherapy, hypnotherapy even, and he starts tests out on the... Nurse Bucket first, who Nurse Bucket's been demoted <laughs> to um, a regular nurse. Um, Mildred Ratched is new head nurse, but Nurse Bucket now wants to go out with Dr. Hangover. Dr. Hangover doesn't want to go out with her, but um, Mildred's blackmailing him in doing that too. So he tries to use hip- hypnotherapy to undo his date with Nurse Bucket, but it doesn't work, so he gets really pissed off. Using justification, he's using it to try and get through to this new patient. Um, so later on, he uses the an actual far more advanced hypnotherapy machine, which is sort of like when you just use that in the first place. He uses that to get through to this woman, and actually does get through to her and covers her trauma from her past, which is that she's beaten up and tortured by four white men um, for nine days until her one of them got cold feet and went to his father, who's a police officer, and he escort he gave her five bucks, drove to a bus station, said, You drop charges and we won't put you back in the closet, which doesn't seem like a very police officer thing to do. But anyway, this seems to cure a trauma because admitting it in public and uh, hypnotherapy admitting in private rather and hypnotherapy seems to have worked, um to relieve her tension. But then the at this point, yes, I was thinking, oh, shit, well, Edmund's one of those guys, right? So he doesn't really give shit. But, you know, that does turn out to be the case. But that's the impression I got, because this show is fucking weird. Um, so from there, we cut to Dr. Hangover freaking out. He's on so much medication, so I can't do it, because he's seen Sharon Stone. And Major's sort of like, you can do it. Also, don't call me Shirley, which is a reference. About 25 years early and also 30 years too late. 40 years too late. Oh, my God. So weird thing airplane came out over four years ago. Anyway, um from there oh four years almost four years ago. It's like ninety one. From there um Dolly and Edmund had to plan where they're gonna Well no, Nurse Ratchet and Edmund had to plan where he says she says if he can prove he's insane they'll he'll be declared not fit for trial. Um so she hosts this dance, this bizarre dance, um and invites the governess to it. And the plan for the dance is that Edmund is going to be led upstairs and moved from shackles for some bizarre reason. And Mildred hid a razor under a serviette, which hopefully no one is prior to that point, picks up a serviette. And that Edmund's going to slit his own wrists while gobbling, gobbly, gooply, it reverse tongues. And then everyone will be like, well, he's fucking crazy. He can't be so fit. And you got, you got this woman here who has been picked up from the... Um, bus station from the um, opera house or whatever it is he inverts to all the residents after shouting at violinists and she is 
not going that way of someone committing to try and commit suicide or apparently in front of her. Um, but then it turns out that Harold, the security guard, um, is actually the victim of Edmund and Dolly's plan because um, Edmund slits his throat with the razor blade and then they pull up and gun back to escape. Um, and earlier, Doc Hangover takes some. Lit, takes some dope to um, evade having to interact in this bucket and he starts dancing and starts getting into it and everyone freaks out. But then later on when she asks him to dance again, he, uh, uh, Dr. Hangover freaks out and Nurse Bucking says he hates her and everyone hires her and hates women telling him what to do. Very patriarchal, very sexist um, point of view. So she freaks out and runs off and if, uh, Nurse Ratchet shouts at Dr. Hangover and says, I will not be told what to do by a woman. I'm your superior. And she says, well, about that, you're mistaken. And then she goes out to help um, uh, the Nurse Bucket with the governess and they get her back in frame of mind. And then she walks out to the floor and she gives the nod to Edmund and the scene happens again where Edmund slits Harold's throat, which is not what Nurse Ratchet wanted. And then Dolly grabs the gun to run security. Her governess steps forward, so Dolly shoots her. It's like, holy shit. And then they run off. Um, Nurse Ratchet is trying to stop bleeding. Um, and then Dr. Hangover is freaking out. Um, the woman from earlier, the psych, multiple personality disorder, is really freaking out. She's split into all personalities at once. Okay. Try a day of coffee, just like James McElvoy in Split and Glass. She's like, rah, 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 and she's jumping between like five personalities in the space of three seconds. Really good performance by the actress. Generally, her scene with Dr. Hangover and his office is wrong. It's probably one of the best scenes of the show so far. Um, so then the Dolly and Edmund driving off, and Edmund's like, damn it, why'd you do that? And Dolly's like, what? And she's like, you shot an innocent. And Dolly's like, yeah, well, you slipped throat of security guard. And Edmund's like, it's fair game. She's an innocent. We'll pay for that. And she, Dolly's like, remember that weird dream sequence of us all mounting earlier? That's what happened to us. And Edmund's like, no, we're fucked. We're fucked. We're fucked. The cops go find their car later on, and car's missing, and car's got no one inside. And that's how the episode ends with Edmund and Dolly running off into the woods. And there you go. Um, well, that was a great season finale. Um, I found out this is going to be a two season show. It's a great season finale with. The Edmund and Dolly escaping, all the shit happening at the institution. What a way to end the season. Um, four stars out of five, really entertaining, very dramatic. Lots happened this episode, maybe a bit too much, because it really, maybe it would have been better if it seeped back in things a bit slower. You know, it didn't really give you a chance to breathe. And know that's Netflix's model of binge watching and all being up at once, you've got this episode straight away. But like, there's not even previously packaged. And I get, again, you know, the whole binge-watching thing, but for my money, it's like, you need a bit of a seat back in. You can't end an episode at 150 miles an hour and then start next episode at 150 miles an hour. You need to build up again, you know? But what would say is really good, if not a tad gratuitous and too much? I did enjoy it. Uh, Dr. Hangover's... Uh, high dancing was a high point <laughs> high point uh, the stuff of Nurse Bucket and oh shit I forgot to mention Nurse Bucket and proprietor of Motel are friends and they're hatching plan to destroy Nurse Ratchet which is interesting and there's love dynamics here which are very cool um, it just feels sort of like maybe we're rushing through things a bit fast but then 
you know, as I alluded to earlier, there's only three episodes left after this. Holy shit. So they kind of need to start wrapping through shit. But, you know, what can you do? So four out of five. Um, I found out this is going to be a two-season show, which is fascinating. Um, don't know how they're going to do that, but it's Ryan Murphy. I'm sure it'll probably be set in present-day of ancestors of all main characters. So there you go. And we good episode four out of five and quite a nice sort of... Um, uh, way to kick off the second week of Ratchet Reviews. And that's episode six of Ratchet in the Kang. Sorry, you're, it's uh, episode six of Ratchet in Kang. And the last episode ended, I'm going to do recaps because the show doesn't. The last episode ended with Edmund killing Harold's security guard and Dolly shooting Governess, who find out in this episode's name is Gwyneth. Or Gwendolyn, even. So, this episode starts with her be- with them two on the run, and they're sort of like, oh, no, where are we going to go? And then um, Dolly's sort of like, no, the blowdowns, they'll, they'll track our scent. So we got a strip, and everyone's like, what? It's like, we got a strip. So she takes off her dress and takes off her panties and throws them away. And they're sort of like, run, and she's wearing a, a slip. So they run, and then Edmund is just taking the trousers off. He's still wearing his underwear because apparently, I, I, I don't know. I, I've got nothing for you. So they're going on run. They find an old for sale sign. They're like, yes, the Great Depression. Yeah, some perks. They go into an old farmhouse and they're like looking for shit. And they're like, oh, yeah, but he's like, where's the food? And Dolly starts turning on him going, stop being such, stop throwing such hissy fits. He keeps saying, you know, you should have shot Wendling. No, she did nothing wrong. And Dolly goes through like night seven characters in the space of four minutes. Talk about your know, multiple personalities disorder. She's going crazy and everything's like, you know, I'm not I'm not a bad guy, you know. If if they don't sing, I don't murder them. And Dolly's like, What are you talking about? He's like, I'm the nicest guy you ever meet. And she's like, What? That's completely contrary to your character in the first three episodes of the series. And everything's like, Well, yeah, but you know, we're we're in the last batch of episodes now, you know. You just, you just have to roll with it. Assume there's been like fourteen episodes of character development at this point instead of like you know five. Um, so then we cut to the I guess the insane asylum, Saint Lucia's, where they're operating on Gwendolyn. It's like okay, cool, cool. So they're operating on her, and then she, then the next day she's sat up and dressed, and she's like, "Yay, yay, I'm in going." I'm like, "Wait, what time frame was we talking about here?" Because she's recovered from gunshot wounding a day. Apparently, um, Edmund and Dolly have been on run for a day. But it takes her days to recover from that wound. But she recovers from it very quickly and says, Hey, Beardred, let's go to Marinette thing. And Beardred's like, why? And she's like, I love Marinette. It's meant to be for a kid. I wish I'd be a kid again. Which you you do not wish you could be a kid. Because in this period where this is set, you and Beardred getting together, that's illegal. It's even worse if you're kids. So you don't wish that. And also, like, her attitude is like, we'll go to a that show, and then we'll go to dinner, and then we'll stay overnight. It'll be a lovely day out. It's like, you're in your fucking 30s, like, at least 40s, whatever. Why the fuck would you go to a that show? What weird-ass shit. Medra's right there. That's weird. So Medra's like, I don't want to go to a that show. And Dwayne's and the governess is like, well, you know, fuck this shit, fuck this, fuck you, fuck everything, you know. I've given you, like, a, a, a we'd been dating for, like, three days, and you said, you, I said you could ease into it. Well, no, you can't. You you don't love me, you don't love this, you have to leave. And Major's like, oh, 
shit, well, he won't invent term gaslighting for a few more decades, so I guess I have to acquiesce. Mick Grantley's like, yes! And then we cut back to our Edmund and Dolly, the budget version Bonnie and Clyde, and they're just all chilling out, and they're still like, hey, let, let's, let's have sex. They have sex, and they're like, yay! And next morning, there's a chicken walking around, and Edmund's sort of like, you know, it's, it's a chicken, and Dolly's like, I know it's chicken, we, we, should, we should kill it, because we need food. And Edmund's like, but I can't, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a good man. Dolly's like, fuck's sake. So she rings the chicken's neck, and then sort of like, look at what I'm doing. Edmund does it, she's like, god damn it. He's like, look, I'll clean it, it's fine. And Dolly's like, gee, Jesus Christ, what have I done? So I get the sense of forgetting their characters. Because Dolly has shifted 70 degrees from when we first met her. Um, and Edmund is acting like a nice guy, which isn't true. So Mildred and um, Gwendolyn are at Marinette's show. And firstly, the presenter is a creepy fucker. He's really creepy. And he starts relaying the bat stories to Mildred, but done in Marinette's show. And it's like, wow, okay, this is... It's actually quite interesting. So we discovered that her and Edmund aren't actually brother and sister. Um, they were just two orphans paired together who a caseworker took pity on them and, you know, fudged the paperwork so it'd actually be biological brother and sister. But here's where the problem starts. This caseworker took pity on them but kept putting them in places where they'd be abused because we get to see four different houses where they were abused and beaten and harassed and all of that shit and then finally they go to their magical house run by two very very fat people like eat all the sugar and candy you want and they're like yes butlers and shit and then there's like oh but by the way go down to the basement i'm like oh and then we get an image of them making phone call and saying baby boom putting paper put coding paper eight o'clock wednesday oh no and kids are downstairs in the basement and they discover it's not puppet show stage, it's an actual stage and they have to perform. And I'm like, oh no. And then the dad and mum are sort of like, you have to perform, you have to do things to each other. And I'm like, oh no. And it cuts to the crowd and there's a bunch of old people and young people and couples and creepy old men are licking their lips. I'm like, oh no. And then Edmund, the Edmund puppet, starts lowering the collar or sleeve of the... um. Oh, <laughs> very uncomfortable. This is a very uncomfortable scene to describe, so I'm just going to cut the chase and go. There was abuse of a different kind, and this shit is getting serious. And then immediately, Midrid freaks out, starts crying, says, how dare you put this show on for the kids? Because while they were getting backstory relayed via marionette shows, everyone's watching a different show and laughing, but it's a very weird effect. It's a very, very good scene, but a very uncomfortable scene to watch. And then it's rendered entirely pointless and borderline exploitative because very next scene is Sarah Paulson in a close-up delivering the exact same exposition, but much better because it's relying on her as an actress and there's no gimmicks involved. It's just one close-up, extreme close-up for Sarah Paulson delivering the exact same information we just learned in flashbacks, but a lot better because she is a stunning actress. And I think that can't be stressed enough. She is an incredible actress. All these bells and whistles, all this bullshit, boils down Sarah Paulson killing a scene by delivering backstory of her and Edmund and how Edmund um, murdered um, the fat the fat people, um, the fat parents, and then they went on run, and she eventually caught up with him. And there we go. Um, couple of things though, are we meant to feel sympathy for Edmund? 
I think the show wants us to, or maybe it's going from a more ambiguity quote where it's like not so much you feel sympathy for Edmund, but you understand backstory a bit more, but it doesn't mesh with how we saw him in the first episode or anything prior to that point. Because, for example, he said, for example, when he murders a priest, he doesn't just murder the one who raped his mother and, you know, that. No, he murders all of them in increasingly violent ways when he didn't have to. He talks about, you know, the lack people who sin should die and people who didn't in instance shouldn't die, but then the things he does to these people are disgusting. And it doesn't really make sense, you know? Especially the implication which they later dropped that he raped one of the, he raped one of the priests, but then they dropped that and ignore it. So I think they wrote themselves into a corner and they tried writing out of the corner, but in the process creating alternate reality for the pre existing corner. So very strange. But this scene Sarah Paulson is really, really, really good and highlight the episode and reveal by Governess um Edmund's brother is like, Oh shit, finally someone knows, crazy. Um, but from there, we cut back to Edmund and Dolly, and they wake up, and Edmund's like, shit, we gotta go, bloodhounds, bloodhounds, and Dolly's like, no, that's fine, okay, fine, we won't, we won't rob bank yet, we'll go, they go outside, and cops are outside, it's like, shit, so Edmund shuts the door and goes to the other door, so they run to the other door, open that up, cops outside, so like, shit, so they run to another door, and then they realise there's nowhere he goes, Edmund goes, shit, Dolly, I'll go outside, give him a safe up, I was saying that you are not part of this, I kidnapped you, I forced you to do things, Dolly's like, no, no, he won't believe you, and Edmund's like, I'm very persuasive, I convinced everyone, no, I wasn't going to murder Harold, and then I murdered him, see, that's happening. So he's outside, he gives up, but then Dolly runs out of shotgun. Edmund's like, oh, what the fuck? And then Dolly shoots two cops. Oh, and then cops shoot her. Bow, 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 bow. She dies in an explosion of blood and gore and squibs. And at this point, I'm like, oh, it's a dream sequence, that's cool. But it's not. No, she's just dead. Edmund's like, no, she didn't do anything wrong. It's like, Edmund, she shot two cops and she shot Governess, you know. What can you do? So then Edmund's taken back to the institution and at this point I give up thinking how much time's passed because I don't really understand it. Major is somehow back at the institute which means it's a different night to one question because she went for an overnight so this has to be next night but I, I, I can't figure out the timeline for this episode. So then we get a conversation so then she tells Edmund that, you know, not to speak to her and that she's like, he's lucky cops didn't blow him away which he is. So then Mildred, um, the governor, Dr. Hangover and Gwendolyn ring room together. And the governor's like, you will sign this document saying Edmund's sane. And Mildred starts talking. He's like, hey, hey, Mildred, this governor, he's, am I talking to you? She's like, no, he's like, shut the fuck up. And then turns to Dr. Hangover and says, look, look, you, you, you look at what shit has happened. Let me transcribe what happened in the season. Mobile patients have died. One of your nurses is allied with Edmund Olsen and shot the governess. Edmund Olsen was invited up for a party and unshackled and slit the throat of your guard. Sorry, I don't know what happened there, but anyway, um, Ed, Edmund, the governor screams and says, Edmund, slash the throat of one of the guards because you've got to have him shackled, okay? Then he escaped with this nurse, they went on rung, and then they shot a bunch of cops, okay? And now he's back here. You will declare him sane and you execute him. And also you will not get a goddamn bit of money from me because you, he told me you're, he told me you're a genius. I looked during my, when I first met you, don't hang over for, you're fucking crazy. 
And by God, my first impression was right. You know what? You're lucky I don't shut this place down. He stormed out and says, Come with me, Gwengling, aka Miss Briggs. So they start walking out, and Gwengling is sort of like, Say, you know, Governor, we do this, do that. He's like, You know what, Gwengling, you got a great ass. She's like, That's really sexist. He's like, But your mouth is a problem. You're fired. Oh, sorry you got shot. And he walks off. And think Vincent D'Onofrio, I'm not sure really what he's going for, but I kind of like the idea of one of the characters being like, you know, this doesn't make goddamn bit of sense. This hospital's incompetent in point of being. And I don't give shit about this patient with multiple personality disorders. Now, relapses every time someone commits suicide or is murdered in front of her. No, that's not going to get any money. Also, he takes Miss Briggs and Gwendolyn. He's like, you know, I've cut funding for this place. I don't give a fuck. I'm out. Vincent D'Onofrio's like, fuck this shit, I'm out of season, I'm gone. So he walks off, and that's the end of the episode. Um, the funding's cut, and everything's going to go to shit. Oh, by the way, last, um, in the episode 5 recap, I forgot to mention that um, Hux showed up again, did just for his paycheck, and was sort of like, hey, Mildred, do you want to dance? And she said yes. So it's like, hey, remember me, I'm character as important in the other episodes, they forgot to write me for a while my character didn't do anything but now they have some back so he he's back and then he missed the next episode um so what do i think of this episode overall i i did not particularly enjoy it i thought flashback was too long and i thought sarah paulson's scene of just the close-up and delivering it dialogue was much better and it's also a short episode it's 45 minutes long so a lot there was a fair bit of stuff happened but to fundamentally all that really happened that means anything is the governor pulling funding. Prior, apart from that, everything was just going around full circle. Got a lot of exposition, but essentially the episode ended with Edmund backing the institutions. It's like, okay, if you're just going to undo that straight away, why are you doing it in the first place? You know what I mean? Where it's like, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's one for the drawbacks of this season moving so quickly in other ways and not in others. Because they really say now two episodes left after this. They had to get things back to a reasonable point. They needed to get to the trial and all of that. But Edmund should probably be left over learning the season in that case. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I Three out of five, I guess. Like, it's decent. like Sarah Paulson's acting's good enough to put up from a three from two. But, yeah, not, not great this week. And... With only two episodes left, let's hope they can put out base because so far it's not hit hit peaks of the opening batch of episodes. Like first two episodes of the mid season of these winter season, I guess, were great. And first two episodes of the fall season, I, I'm not good with geographical times of year, se- seasons or anything like that. Haven't been as great, but you know, like they could put off in the next few episodes. Well, we'll find out anyway. Hey, so it's time for Ratchet's episode seven, and man, this is a crazy episode. So I apologise if my feedback and my recap is a bit of out of order, but um, because so much happened. Okay, so we're going to start with um the beginning of the episode. It picks up where the last episode. Let's pick up where it left off. Jesus Christ, Ian, this is terrible. Um, so, my God, I forgot to start the episode already. Um, holy shit. How how do I forget to start the episode? Oh, no, wait, yeah. So, the episode starts with um, Dr. Hangover flashbacks. He's flashing back to um, when he met up with um, 
uh, Sharon Stone and offered to treat her kid. And it's quite a good sequence. We get... Oh, no, shit, no, it doesn't. No, it starts off with Perth Batman. It starts off with divorce proceedings. The hangover wing is named Doc Vinaga. Lose is about lose his wife and kids. He's in divorce proceedings court. Because, as he said, he's being absent from his kids and his wife because he's been trying to... Uh, provide psychiatric aid for Japanese veterans who came back from overseas um, and ones in the internment camps. And it's a really good sequence. This is a really good character and a really good actor. And we'll find out he lost his daughter over it. He didn't want to, but he told her, I would support you however, however I can, which is why he went Sharon Stone, which clears up a plot hole. Well, not even plot hole. I hate the term when people say plot hole nowadays. What they mean is it adds layers to plot that weren't there before. So he went to her to get money so he could provide for his daughter. Um, but unfortunately, it all went wrong and he chopped off... And he was cogbung Sharon Stone's crazy kid chopping his arms and legs off. So then Sharon Stone... Um, so then Dr. Hangover in present day... Is it present day? Shit, I don't even know. I'm losing track. Um, so the fundamental plot of this episode is that uh, Mildred and Nurse Bucket... Nurse Bucket's found out about Mildred thanks to the flapper. Um, and she's like, I know everything about you. I know it. I want you to tell me why you did it. So Mildred confesses. And Nurse Bucket buys it. Spike fact, it's clearly a bunch of bullshit. Um, at this point, I'm wondering where's where's the story on Edmund. But then I thought, whatever, it doesn't matter. So Mildred um, manages to... Um, shit. Sway Nurse Bucket to her side. Nurse Bucket's like, well, the first thing is we got to do is we got to get rid of Dr. Hangover. So they go visit a trustee for the hospital and say, Governor's not going to finance us anymore. You need to finance everything. She's like, I don't know about that. So they start talking about how Dr. Hangover's a dope fiend. And this woman's like, yeah, and let me tell you my bat story. So we find out about her sister, another flashback. Another fucking flashback. So we find out about her sister. Um, who went crazy as a teenager, so her parents locked her in a cage, and then she jumped out a fucking window, and it's like, holy shit, I guess she would be a fundy of these surfaces, but she's like, well, I don't think we should get rid of Dr. Hangover, so then Mildred's like, fuck it, I'll shoot, so she starts talking about how Dr. Hangover is really Dr. Bernardo, and about what he did, and the trustee's like, what the fuck? And Nurse Bucket's like, what the fuck? And then Mildred turns around and says, you should get rid of Dr. Hangover, make Nurse Bucket interim head of facility, okay? Do that, and then we'll find another doctor at some point. And this trustee's like, sure, why not? And I'm like, okay, no, thanks for showing up, actress, thanks for showing up. So from there, we cut outside where Mildred and Nurse Bucket are talking. Nurse Bucket's sort of like, oh, man, I owe you one. And Mildred's like, do you? And Nurse Bucket's like, what? And she's like, I'll tell you. And then we own flashbacks. This scene happened earlier in the episode. But we cut, we have, <laughs> well, earlier in the episode, Mildred and Huck were talking. Huck was like, you know, I really, I, I'd like some sets and sweetheart. And Mildred's like, I'm, I'm gay, but don't tell anyone. And Huck's like, okay. And then he starts walking off crying. And Mildred's like, Huck, Huck, come back. And Huck's like, I just want purpose. So Mildred's like, I remember the sequence when she's talking to Nurse Bucket. And she's like, Huck. Should be head nurse and nurse Bucket's sort of like he doesn't have any qualifications. Mildred's like, yo, but remember I talked about my bat story. I didn't have any qualifications either, and I let a lot of people die because they were dying anyway. And I thought I'd be nice to them. And the army told me fuck off. And nurse Bucket's like, I do remember that. I wish it'd been brought up earlier in podcast recap, but there you go. Say so agree, mate. Huck head nurse because why not? No one's qualifying this fucking hospital. And apparently, enough one doctor. 
fucking do. So, anyway, um, from there, Midra phones Sharon Stone up and it's sort of like, you know, I'm not getting involved in this shit, fuck off. And Sharon Stone's like, you bitch, I'll, I'll come after you. And Midra's like, yeah, I got evidence that you're trying to murder Dr. Hangover and you made an attempt on his life, so don't forget that, and hands up. Um, so from there, we cut to... Uh, Nurse Bucket being like, Dr. Hangover, I did love you, I did love you, and I'm letting you go. You know, that's how much I love you. I'm letting you leave when cops get here. And Dr. Hangover's like, I didn't treat you right, Bets. I didn't treat you right, Nurse Bucket. And starts to walk off, and I was like, oh shit, season two foreshadowing. So Dr. Hangover grabs Charlotte, and so like, we've the um, multiple personality sort of woman. It's like, we have to leave. And new guard is like, hey, 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 this ain't like your old watch. I ain't like Harold. You ain't pulling that shit on me. And Major's like, let them leave. And this scared guy's like, I don't give a fuck. Fuck this shit. And just walks off. So Dr. Hangover and Charlotte leave, and they're in a motel. Because this episode's whipping by a fucking Fuhrer space. They're at, hotel, they're at diner. And Dr. Hangover's like, Charlotte, it's fine. We'll get... We'll get in Canada, there's a colleague of mine in Canada, and he'll sort us out. And so, like, but you need to eat something first, so she eats something. Um, from there, we cut to Mildred and... No, no, not... They don't cut to that part quite yet. No, so we then go to a hotel room where Charlotte is feeling woozy from sedative, and Dr. Hangover's like, oh, you sit, lie down, go to sleep, I'm sorry I kept you waiting so long. And then there's a knock at the door, it's the police, and it's like, oh shit, because they're after him because of what he's done. So Dr. Hangover's just like, get in the closet. And I'm like, well, no, don't put her in the closet, Dr. Hangover, but he does. And she freaks out in the closet. But then cops were just like, hey man, is that your Cadillac outside? When Dr. Hangover says no to them, they say, okay, and they walk off. So then um, we cut to the closet, opening up, and then, oh shit, it's Apollo, the personality of Charlotte that was in Second World War and hates Hitler, um, where she she's like, fuck you, fuck you, no, don't take me. No, no, actually, no, first it's Ona Dean, so like, don't you, t- the classical violinist, like, don't you, you nobody, but then turns into Apollo, and Apollo thinks that Dr. Hangover is Hitler, because that's little Tash, and Apollo proceeds to beat shit out of Dr. Hangover and murder Dr. Hangover, it's like, holy shit, you shouldn't put him in the fucking closet, you idiot. So then, um, later on, Charlotte wakes up in the bathroom covered in blood and finds the body of Dr. Hangover and goes, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. And what she do? She gets the phone and she presses the button for phone the main character because it comes from Mildred and it's like, I need your assistance, I need your assistance, I need your assistance. Mildred goes out meet her and Mildred's like, I didn't plan this, but this seems quite accurate. And she's like, you know what? I'm going to put you on a bus to Mexico. You need to get to San Luis Psychiatric Hospital. They'll treat you there. And in few, here's $50 dollars and in a few weeks I'll call you. And so like, this woman randomly starts turning into a multiple personality disorder woman. And she randomly becomes violent people. And you're putting her on a bus to Mexico? Like, she is going to turn into one of these people by the time she gets to Mexico. But then I thought, well, it happens off screens. Maybe it doesn't happen that way. And also, Dr. Hangover's plan for was, when we get in Canada, you need to drive and I'll be in trunk, which, would you let this woman drive? You haven't cured her yet. And she turns in on Ding on Road, or Apollo, she's going to crash the car. But then he's dead anyway, so it doesn't matter. So from there, we cut to Midra cutting off um, fucking Dr. Hangover's head and bringing it to Sharon Stone and being like, ha, kidding, pay my money. And it's like, what? why do you have that scene earlier? And it doesn't, it seems like it shows... 
hinting that me, this was Midra's plan all along, which makes sense because why would let Doctor Hangover and Charlotte go? But then it's kind of hinting that it wasn't their plan. So by the way she acts, it's kind of weird. It's being vague. I guess maybe it's something in finale or all wrap up into a neat piece, her master plan. But moment it seems strange. Um. So from there, um, Charlotte, we get. The governess, Gwendolyn, and Trevor's back. And they have a nice moment where it's sort of like, sorry we treat each other so shitly in the end, but we do love each other. And he's like, I wish you the best. And I do love you. And if need ever need anything, let me know. Then he leaves and we get on the shop midra watching him leave. As in she'd been waiting there. And then she goes in the house and says to the governess, I, I came in, Dr. Hangover's dead. I didn't do it, don't worry. But I came in some money, don't worry, it's not improper but we can move away together and governess is like you know we can't Mildred we can't move away together we can't do that you know that's not cricket um where's the scene but then there's enough scene where the fucking care worker from the previous episode flashback shows up and it's like Mildred look I know about you and Edmund I know what's going on but you have to believe me um and then cut to flashback of Mildred meeting up Edmund. She'd been put back in contact with him by a care worker. And he's like, I'll be out of prison in a week. She goes to meet him there, but he's not there in a week's time and she breaks down. Um, and that's the day he went murdered the priest. But we also find out from care worker that Edmund's mother was a drug addict and a liar. So she, she may not have actually been abused by a priest. Or she may have. It's kind of vague. But it's like, don't let yourself be dragged down by Edmund. He he's a monster, and I'm like, what? what? I don't understand. So he's a monster now. Like, it's a bit weird. Um, <laughs> from there we cut to back to Mildred and Governess who kiss because the Governess of like I'm dying of lung cancer. Cancer. Mildred's like, that's okay. I've got a hundred thousand dollars. That's enough to cure lung cancer. And also, how quick they said they wanted to look at. The governess's lungs, but she's only, it's only been weeks, weeks since she got shot, so it's like that's a bit weird. Like, why wouldn't she still be in hospital? Are you that concerned? But anyway, that's it. Um, so what do I rate this episode? Well, I rate this episode, um, four out of five, and here's the reason this episode really, really good. Some great scenes, Doc Tangover got some really good moments, Sharon Stone got some good moments, Sarah Paulson got some good moments. So there's a lot of good moments and a lot of setting up for a future season. Nurse Bucket and Huck and all of that stuff in the institution. And jokes about we don't need doctors. You clearly do need doctors. Um, but here's the problem. Um, this is the penultimate episode of the season and Edmund is barely in it. But the episode description talks about as the trial beckons. So you're thinking you get some stuff about that, but you don't. So there's no sense of how much time's passed. Um... Uh, Mildred saying to Gwendolyn Governess that she's in love with her it's like you haven't earned that the actresses Symphony Nitz and Sarah Balsam doing a great job selling it but you haven't earned it oh shit no actually no the other part of the episode is that Sharon Stone is given um Dr. Tango's severed head gives it to her son but then Gardner murders her and then they cut to the funeral do the we reading. This is happening so quick. I don't know what time frame this is. And apparently the monkey's left all the money and son's be sent to a psychiatric institution for the rest of his life. And it's like, wait, what? It's just, you know, one of those things where it's just like that story. I guess that's to get him involved in season two stuff, maybe. But 
it just feels weird. I don't understand time frame or timeline or chronology of any of these scenes. But yeah, four out of five. I wish there's more Edmund because Charles coming up. I think Edmund Dolly stuff being wrapped up. Dolly dying, she probably could play part in this episode. Um, and I think sideline him feels a bit weird. Mildred's. I guess they're building Mildred up so Finale can be a subversion of sorts. And I'm interested in seeing it, and it was a really, really good episode. But at the same time, you just watched it, and you just keep thinking, eh, eh, something's missing. But still, really, really good, and I'm pumped for the Finale, which I will be covering next. So stay tuned. Okay, so I'm going to have to talk quickly for this bit because I just watched the season finale of Ratchet season one, episode eight. Um, and it, a lot happened, a lot happened in this episode. So, start off with one main plot of the episode is the embedment, and he's back in the forefront, apparently. He's back after being absent so many episodes. So the governor's decided that he is going to have Edmund executed. We jump forward a month in time, because why wouldn't we? And the opening of the episode revolves around governor being all, what we need to do with Edmund, what we have to do is electrocute him, but we have to electrocute somebody first. So this other villain, who they haven't addressed up to this point, haven't even hinted at, suddenly there's someone else they need to execute a few weeks for Edmund. Um, but the entire point of the episode was that Govan's re-election campaign is going to focus on him executing Edmund. But then there's some else that was to be executed around the same period. So this guy's putting the electric chair after the governor says, we're not doing the injection, we're doing the surprise electric chair. Surprising journalists and family and friends of victim gathered, who was a little kid. So the governor's like, Oh, but I'm going to put the switch myself. And there's this guy who announced it for the radio in the background. He pushed the switch and the guy in the chair starts freaking out. And then Mars falls off and freaks out. And then he burns on fire and freaks out. And the assembled throng, including journalists, are disgusted by this, including the announcer for the radio. His major and company are listening to it on radio, thinking, what the fuck? Oh, shit. This is disgusting. This is revolting. Um, so yeah, the really graphic execution, and Governor's like, ha ha, justice for all. And then we also find out at the start of the episode that Flapper, um, the hotel, motel manager, like I say, it's jumped for a month, she's now working as Canstripe at hospital, which was the first point where I had to pause and say, wait, what, whoa, whoa, hold up one second. She ran her own business and gave that up to be Canstripe. Is that what you're asking us to believe, Ryan Murphy? Because that doesn't make any sense. She even says, oh, it's good to have purpose in life. It's like, you were literally running your own business. And now you're candy striping. Maybe she wanted to change pace. Maybe she didn't want responsibility. I don't know. But she has to be earning less money. And also, who now owns some hotel? But in actual fact, we find out a reason for that is... Not there's no reason given for why she did it or how she did it, but there is justification at the end of the episode of sorts. I'll get to that when we get to it. So grass of the episode is Edmund's gonna be executed and they want Mildred and Governess, the governess who's still dying cancer, um, they want to stop it. So they go and see governing restaurant and eats one of the most disgusting states I've ever seen in my life. Um but bless, um I guess. He eats it and then he's he's talking being resexist to both of them and saying, Look, he's good and get fried in the electric chair. Eve when Mildred confesses Edmund's her brother, Governor doesn't think, wait, that's a conflict of interest, surely. He just goes, well, you know, when in Rome. But then finds out Governess and Mildred are involved in a relationship. Actually, go back to that. So their relationship's been going on a month and it's perfect and luminous. Isn't it telling that the one time 
These characters finally get together, it happened off screen. I'm just going to say, I'm not sure about that. That seems a bit shit, to be honest. Um, but Governor finds out that they're Safro's lesbians for that better parlance and he goes oh my sister's one too so i feel your i feel for you and i do understand how hard life is going to be but hey vote for me anyway and then he walks off after he after making joke this disgusting steak was like a supple woman which mate if that's the sort of woman you attract you know mazel tov but i wouldn't boast about that so the Mildred and governess and betsy need form plan b and they realize that plan b should be they execute Edmund, who is being loud and arid day in Dr. Hangover's barn. So they're like, okay, well, we'll execute him. That'll be plan B. Uh, which is kind of a weird jump from plan A to plan B. I mean, you've got a few weeks. Sure, they can think a few more things. Or even take out governor, but apparently they don't want to. And they don't even want to wait out the press and the assembled from colleagues disgusted by the chair. So if they let it run for a week or two, they'll probably be able to call off the entire thing. You know, but apparently not. So Edmund's been allowed an hour a day at the barn with the animals, and Mildred says to him, look, I will join you here tomorrow for this. And then he accuses her of trying to poison food. She says, no, I didn't. No, it's not going to happen that way. And Edmund's like, oh, I want to show you all the animals, like the cow, the goat, the pig. You know, as you do. I mean, these are grown-ups of, like, marionette shows. Why wouldn't they be happy and giddy spending time fucking disgusting farm animals? And nothing wrong with spending time farm animals, but in this case, it's like, you know, why would he be so happy about that? Because he's only been in prison for, like, less than, what, two months? And he escaped, you know? And he wouldn't ring a chicken net, so... Yeah. Um, but unfortunately plans are wrecked because Charlotte turns up you remember her multiple personality disorder woman she turns up again dressed smartly and says that she's Dr Hangover so Betsy takes her to Dr Hangover's old office she still haven't hired a doctor and in the office um, she goes to find Huck brings him with her but as soon as she does Charlotte pulls a gun and says not one fucking step and she's got Huck and Betsy at gunpoint Huck Remembers that he has that he really has his last ever chance to have a meaningful plot on screen. So he walks forward like an idiot and says, "You know, I fought off Nazis. I got my face blown off from water. I ain't scared of you." So Charlotte shoots him in the fucking head and he dies on the carpet. Betsy starts screaming. The guards don't. The guards run up, but somehow Charlotte, aka Doctor Hangover, knows their secret passageway. I don't know how, unless she's literally. Possess, unless she's literally got all these people on her mind, which maybe it's Ryan Murphy show. Maybe it's like the Beast, um, James of Cavoy's character in Split, David, who... Or not David, no, no, his name. Kevin, who, whatever, who um, is superpowered. Maybe it's like that. Maybe Charlotte's got superpowers. Why not? This show doesn't really seem to be taking any interest in mental illness or anything anymore. It's just turned into a batshit crazy weird show. And for some reason, Sharon Stone is still credited, despite the fact she's not in this episode. So um, Charlotte and leads Betsy downstairs and says, take me to Edmund Tolson, I have business with him. So um, Betsy does, she goes downstairs, and security guard in the jail area says, you have to shoot me, I'm not even in stores. So Dr. Hang- Charlotte, Charlotte Hangover shoots him in the head, he dies, and forces Betsy to open doors. They go to Edmund, who's like, I'm not fucking going, is this major's plan? And Betsy goes, no, so... Um, Edmund grabs a shotgun and says, tell me what the plan was. And Maj- Betsy's sort of like, Major is going to kill you. And Edmund's like, what the fuck? 
fuck that shit, getting there, she gets in there, and then Edmund and um, Charlotte begin to escape, but the pre-security security guard stops him, they hold him at gunpoint, he begs off for his life, saying he has kids, but he does have kids, so Edmund smash him in the face with gun, and then they walk out of the entire facility, and they drive off, and then we cut to three years later, and it's like, what the fuck, and then, so Betsy is visiting Mildred and Gwendolyn Governess in Mexico, and Governess is like, oh, I'm, I'm in remission, thanks to mistletoe, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, it's Christmas already, um, so then um, they're all talking, and uh, Mildred starts getting nervous, she's like, I'm going to go grab a book, she's really on edge, because she thinks Edmund's going to come after, so she goes to her room, and there's knock at door, she's like, who's there? knock at the door, who's there, so she grabs a gun, and then opens the door, and it's Charlotte, and Charlotte's like, hello, Mildred, you know, and then immediately goes, Mildred's like, Charlotte, how do you get killed, and Charlotte's like, oh, I bathed in blood of the innocent Mildred, it solved me of my sins, so now I'm not psychotic anymore, and I'm like, oh, holy shit, this is offensive, <laughs> offensive on half dozen different levels, this is split class levels of you don't understand what post-match stress disorder, or multiple personality disorder is you, you you guys really don't get it's not a superpower this isn't how it works so um Midrick pull realizes Edmund's behind us he pulls the trigger but gun won't go off and Edmund's like you know what sis we both have to die so I'm going to kill you and then I'm going to kill myself and Midrick's like what about Charlotte and Char- Midrick Charlotte's like no I'll be in season two and you're like what so then Edmund stabs Mildred after the gun doesn't go off because it isn't loaded. And he goes, it had me, wait, sis. And then Mildred wakes up and it's like, oh, holy shit. It was a dream sequence. A flash forward and a dream sequence. So is this three months later? I guess it's still three months later. So then they're downstairs and Betsy comes to visit. And she's like, Wangling, you look fantastic. And Wangling goes, mistletoe. And I'm like, oh, holy shit, deja vu. We've relived this scene already. And then... Uh, Mildred is like, oh my lord, you know, there's a local paper, so like, I want to see what's in the paper. And Wendling reads it and goes, oh shit, seven nurses were massacred in Chicago. And Mildred's like, oh my god, it's season two foreshadowing. So then there's a phone call, and so oh my god, and Mildred goes on to the phone because she's told to by one way. She answers the phone, goes, hi Edmund. And it's like, how do you know it's me? And Mildred's like, I, have, I had a, f- uh, Dream sequ- I have flash forward dream sequence about you where you said you were going to kill me and Charlotte was there and Edmund's like oh Charlotte's right here and Mildred's like I know and Edmund's like you know I'm going to kill you Mildred and then can I stop this point okay so we've gone from the vague connection to one flew over the cuckoo's nest with the asylum and all of that stuff which was weird but it, it kind of slightly hooked its original and now we've decided fuck that shit let's do three versus three murder games that's what we're going to do for season two like yourself season two is are ah, we going to do murder games that's that's yourself season two this show is certifiably insane and ryan murphy could not even stick landing for one season in a psychiatric interview he decided to do a season two prologue 
excited to end season one three quarters of the way through the last episode and the prologue for season two, which I respect because I used to do that in my online writing a lot and Heroes did it a lot and stuff like that. But this is really weird. This might have had the text end of volume one, volume two on the screen. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's weird. Um, so then Edmund uh, says that he is, he, Midra's like, he's going to kill her. Midra's like, no, no, see. I'm coming after you. And Edmund's like, oh shit. And then she hands up and Edmund goes, okay, he walks outside and he's got sharp looking carting home Dean personality saying, I was part the Philharmonic. And he's about to cast the flappers. I only asked you if you can change your goddamn radio because it turns out that she sold out Betsy and company, which is, oh shit. So we have our three, three versus three murder games for season two. And that's it for season one. Okay, so I will go into season one recap just after I summarise this episode. Um, why don't I give this episode a five uh, free? And the reason I give it free is I can't in good conscience give it a ratio because it's basically two episodes jammed into one. It's like the opening part, of, the last part of season one's first three quarters of the episode, which was good, but went in a really weird direction and not entirely direction makes any sense. Didn't feel complete, didn't feel earned, and it felt like they're moving characters towards... Uh, a resolution for season two instead of being a premiere series where even each series season is start, middle, and end. This didn't really have an end, it was just like, oh, to be continued, and then it did continue. And the last part of the episode was just a giant teaser for season two, which is fine, except we're in the middle of a pandemic, so season two is going to be a long way away. And at the same time, we didn't really need this, we could have ended it with a bit more of a climactic flurry, I guess. Um, so yeah, three out of five, really good acting. I mean, Sarah Paulson and the actress who played Charlotte are both incredible. Drew Davis does a really good job, and Simply Nixon holds her own. But yeah, just not really the thing that I wanted. No, so yeah. Anyway, uh, season one recap is coming just a second. Okay, so this review of season one, this isn't going to be a really, 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 really long review, because to be honest, I don't think it needs to be, you've kind of got my thoughts already, but just is season one is a bit of a mess, there's some really good highs there, there's some incredible acting, Sarah Paulson in particular does an amazing job um, with the role, uh, Sharon Stone's very good, I really should look up the name of the actress who plays Charlotte, but she's absolutely incredible. Um, yeah, so I did really enjoy it. I thought it was a brave attempt to do a, a reboot. It isn't a reboot because it's basically an original story, but it isn't an original story because it's based on pre-existing material and sort of a prequel to that material and an expansion of the universe without fitting into it very well. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's very, very enjoyable and I definitely recommend it. And honestly, I don't think, even though I've been spoiling it in some ways, I don't think anything I've said detracts from the experience of watching it. It is a batch of insane series in every stretch of wood. The production value is fantastic. Um, like the acting's really good. Writing lets it down a bit at times. Direction and the cinematography are really... I mean, this looks like a goddamn movie. Now, it doesn't look anything like the original one flew over the cuckoo's nest. It doesn't have that sense of claustrophobia or anything like that. And there are a few times, and I know I'm saying this, so it's going to sound a bit weird, where the filters may be used a bit too much. 
much. Um, some characters get short shift. Huck has nothing work with and was fundamentally pointless. Even when he got promoted being head nurse, there wasn't really any resolution to it. The time jumps in finale were a bit strange. One month and three years. Um, the use of a dream sequence then go back in time then have essentially a very similar sequence. Like It's almost like they weren't sure what they wanted. Um, and fundamentally, the way that they couldn't commit to having one season entirely in the psychiatric institution was a bit annoying but also the fact that they didn't really have any sense of a legal side for Edmund it would be nice to see some lawyers maybe attempt to gain a trial or something like that but I can see they weren't interested in and also the ways that the characters for example Edmund it's like they couldn't decide was he a nice guy who killed people or an evil guy who tend to be a nice guy. Because they're losing one few episodes to raping one for the priest, but then never he brought up again. He talks about not wanting to hurt the innocents, but he goes after three other priests instead of one, including one he wanted to go after. And the whole thing with checking that was where he didn't want to ring the net because it's an instant feels a bit out of left field. And Dolly, same way, feels a bit out of left field. I think part of his problem trying to do so much in eight episodes because they wanted to focus on eight episodes instead of 20 or 14 or 16 or whatever. They rushed for a lot of plot points that maybe could be explored in more detail. But at the same time, did they have enough story for them? Because there were times in this show when the story kind of drifted to a hole and went off on tangents. For example, Corey Stoll went nowhere. Um, lots of people, people kept dying in the institution. That went nowhere. Like, why wouldn't Governor pull him up on that? And just generally... It, the, the, and especially the illusion stuff like Psycho it's like you're not doing Psycho you're doing a look into the cinematic universe of one, one Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest so that's a bit weird um, but overall what how what did I give out of 5 um, I'd probably go 3.5 out of 5 I think this is a really enjoyable series I think if you go in thinking it's going to be exactly like One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest you'll go crazy and won't enjoy it if you go in thinking essentially is its own thing with a tangible connection, you'll enjoy it a lot more. I mean, Ryan Murphy's stuff is very similar to other Ryan Murphy stuff. He's very prolific. Um, and yeah, I think he's done a good job. And But I think it really is anchored by Sarah Paulson, who's an amazing actress. Um, and if you like this, I definitely recommend American Crime Story O.J. Simpson, where she plays Marsha Clark. And I mean... Top to bottom all performances in what in um American Crime Story, OJ Simpson case are fantastic. Especially the well not especially, but I mean even John Travolta is pretty good in it. So yeah, I, I did enjoy Ratchet and I look forward to watching season two whenever it shows up on Netflix. Hey, now it's time for your epilogue. Um or in other words, what will I be watching next week? Um, good question. I don't know at the moment. I think, hope maybe try and find another TV show because this seemed to be quite a good experiment. I'm not sure where it would be, but Netflix has some good ones. Um, yeah, so maybe, maybe American Horror Story. Maybe try going back through that. Although, from what I remember, it doesn't really leave much to critical analysis maybe i'm wrong maybe other people have done good critical analysis of it but I, i'd like the idea of doing tv or maybe i'll do some movies i mean there's some movies that have come out recently um like the lighthouse is being out for a while or maybe i'll review some movies on our tv who knows but for now thanks for listening as always very much appreciated um and remember life is beautiful 
Sorry.